in this series, I'm not going to ask you to fast food. I'm going to ask us to do a fast of a different type. And really, the one word that would describe it is detox. I'm asking us to detox. Detox is the removal of toxic substances from a living organism. So as we pray, we're asking God, would you remove some of the toxic things that are inside of me? Now, some of them we have because we've ingested toxins, and some of them are already just there naturally. But as a person, we've got to understand that we are a triune being. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And so understanding that, most of us, we understand physical detox, but really there has to come a point in our life where we detox spiritually. There are things that get in us and on us that maybe we don't even recognize, but we've got to detox that out of our lives spiritually. And then some of us, we've got to detox, and all of us actually, at some point, we go and detox our soul. Things get in us and on us and around us. And so there's this mentality of I'm going to get rid of the things that are toxic in my life. Now, over the next 21 days, we're going to focus on prayer. But what I'm asking you to do is that over the next six days after Sunday, focus on the area that we're working on. So this week, we're talking about spirit detox. I'm going to give you some things to work on. And for the next six days, let's work on it together. Let's focus on it together. And then next Sunday, we're going to come back and I'm going to focus on soul detox. How do you detox your soul? And so for the next six days, we're going to work on that. And we're going to let God detox our soul. And then the next one, we're going to talk about how to detox our bodies. How many say, thank you, Jesus. Detox the body. And we're going to work on that. And if we will do this, if you'll just apply the word for the next six days, I promise you, in the next 21 days, your life is going to reset. Amen? And so, you know, and detox, what we talk about and think about, a lot of times is we think about drugs. You know, when you think about detoxing, like you detox drugs and you detox alcohol and, you know, nicotine. I, I smoked for almost 10 years when I was a teenager till I was a young adult. And, you know, I understand what it means to be detoxed from nicotine. And so it's got some things to do with our body. It kind of reminds me of a joke. Anybody ever heard of a Boudreaux and Thibodeau joke? Anybody know Boudreaux and Thibodeau? They're, they're these characters out of Louisiana that, that if I, does anybody want to hear a Boudreaux joke that I heard that I thought was pretty funny? So, uh, so you got uh, Boudreaux and Thibodeau and Officer Boudreaux, he's patrolling the streets and he sees Thibodeau who is swerving down the road to the right and swerving to the left. And so Officer Boudreaux goes and pulls Thibodeau over and said, hey, I, I noticed you were swerving. He said, listen, you've been weaving all and out of the road and I want you to go and take a breathalyzer test. And, you know, Thibodeau says, oh, Boudreaux, Boudreaux, I can't do a breathalyzer test. He says, uh, why not? He said, because I'm asthmatic. So Boudreaux says, okay, so, so you're asthmatic. So listen, I'm going to need you to go and I need you to take a blood test. And uh, he said, oh, Boudreaux, Thibos, Boudreaux, Boudreaux, I can't take a blood test. He said, why not? He said, because I'm a hemophiliac. I bleed to death. And so then Boudreaux said, you know, a little frustrated. He's like, okay, well, then I'm going to need you to go and take a urine sample. And he said, oh, Boudreaux, I, I can't take a urine sample. He said, why not? He said, I'm diabetic. My blood sugar will drop. So now Boudreaux's all frustrated. He said, hey, listen, Thibodeau, I, I need you now. You're going to have to come and walk this line. Thibodeau said, oh, Boudreaux, I can't do that either. He said, why not? He said, I'm drunk. <laughs> 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 
So many of us, we think about like that kind of detox, like I got a detox in my body. And I will tell you this, there are some of you, you're sitting here in this place and that's the kind of detox you need to do. Can I tell you, you're in a safe place. We love you, man. You're in the best place to detox from those things. And we're going to walk you through that. We're going to help you. But I really want us to broaden the scope of what we're talking about. That it's not just the physical body or the the, the ailments that we ingest physically. But today I want to focus on spirit detox. How do we detox our spirit? And we're going to go into 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. This is going to be our theme verse. Paul's writing here to the believers and people that go to church, which would be us in this place. And listen, he says, be careful. Do not be yoked. Don't be yoked. So when we look at the word yoked, many times we wouldn't understand that term today. But when you look at the original word, really what yoked means is a closeness, a common fellowship with, intimacy with. And he's saying, listen, don't be intimate with, don't be close with the things that are toxic, the things of this world. How does he say? It says, together with unbelievers. So listen, you can't be around the unbelievers. And and so I want you to hear something. We're a church. We just broke a thousand professions of faith two weeks ago here at the church. That in three years, we've had people fill out cards, verified, filled out. Over a thousand people have given their life to Jesus. So I'm not telling you to step out of the world and not be Jesus to the world. What he's saying here is that you can't have your best friend living the old life while you're trying to live the new life. That there's this this change that has to happen. And though we can reach the world, they can't be your best friend. They can't be your intimate confidant, someone that you rely on and trust in. You've got a new family. And so your family is where you build your strength while we go out and reach those that God has called us to reach. And so why does he say that? Because toxic people create toxic environments. And so he understood that when you're yoked with people that are toxic, how many know eventually you're going to become toxic? And so here he goes on and he says, for what do righteousness and wickedness, what do they have in common? And the obvious answer is nothing. They don't have anything in common. Or what can fellowship... Or what fellowship can light have with darkness or harmony is there between Christ and Belial, which is another name for demons or the devil. And it says, what does a believer have in common with the unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Now, I love when he says that. Did you know that this building is not the church? I, I, I know that us being portable, we get this a little bit more because we only meet here for about six hours on a Sunday. Everything else we do is outside of these four walls. But the thing we're going to have to always remember is that God doesn't just dwell or inhabit the building. He dwells and inhabits in us. We are the temple of God. Everywhere you go, you're the church. Every place you meet, that's church happening. This just happens to be a big gathering of believers where God's presence meets us here corporately. But you're the temple of God, the living God. And then Paul goes on and he quotes the Bible in the Bible. And he's quoting actually the Old Testament. He says, I will live with them and walk among them. So he's going to live with us and walk among us. I will be their God and they will be my people. So here's how he's going to do it. Therefore, come out from them and be separate. Be separate. We can be in this world, but we're not of the world. So why would he say that? Because toxic environments spread. 
toxic environments spread, that when you're around those environments, you are now a carrier of that environment. It's like secondhand smoke. Anybody ever been caught up in some secondhand smoke? Nowadays, where there's lots of no-smoking places, it's different than when it was back then. How many know you used to could walk in a restaurant and you walked out and you just smelled like a big puffball? Like you walked out of a bar, that's how the smoke would just... And, and then the problem is it permeates your clothes, it's in your hair, everywhere you go. It's like, hey, do you smoke? No, I don't smoke. I was just eating over at the restaurant. And, and so that toxic environment begins to get on you and then before long in you and through you and all of what that is is displayed to the world. And the same happens in Christianity. When we go into environments where we have people that are toxic and that they don't love God, we don't realize we're changing, but the truth is we are changing. And we've got to make sure that we don't allow those environments to cause us to change. First, and then look, 1 Corinthians 15, this is where he says, bad company corrupts good character. Bad company. I, I, I've lived by this principle. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me the people that you're close with, who you're hanging out with. Oh, no, no, pastor, I'm good. No, 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 you may be good today, but the problem is toxicity spreads. Yeah, you're okay today, but you have a bad day, and the next day, and the next day, and then you start moving in a direction you never thought you would move towards. And that's why we have small groups. It's one of the reasons is that God has called you to a family. If you're in this place, I believe this is your family. If you call this place your church, small groups are a solution to this where you build community, where God heals your hearts. He closes the door to the pains of yesterday. And today I'm going with my family. I'm learning with people. You say, well, I want to be a better parent. Get into a parenting small group. I want a better marriage. Great. I'm going to get into a marriage small group. I want to experience freedom. I'm going to get into a life small group. The point is I get around people that are going in the same direction. Why? Because the very fabric of God is wanting to be released to this world and I need to be around people that are passionate about displaying God's glory to this earth. And that's why we're launching them in a couple of weeks. We're launching our small groups and they're doing some of the small group host training right now. And what's the point? The point is we want to get around people that are living the life we want to live, going where we want to go. Here's a question, and this is the question I would write down. It's not in your notes, but for me, this is what I'm pondering over these 21 days. Who or what is in your life that shouldn't be? Who or what is in your life? Do you have some friends that they keep kind of pulling you down? Is there someone that's in your life that maybe is a little toxic? Maybe you need to get some separation while you get healthy and you reach out to them. Or maybe what's in your life? What is in my life that I need to get rid of that shouldn't be there? Now understand this, it's not a question of salvation. Even as we're reading in 2 Corinthians, you're, he's talking to the believer. The believer is already saved. What he's showing us is the way we respond to removing these toxic elements shows and allows God's work to be evident in our life. So to what degree we remove the toxins, that's the degree we can have more of God displayed in our lives here on this earth. And so look, he goes on and he says, come out and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And then he goes on in verse 1. Since we have these promises, dear friends, look at what he says. Let us purify. Everybody say purify. purify. So let us detox ourselves. 
from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Now, in that interesting, his words said, let us. God doesn't do the purifying in this place. In this case, in this case, it's us doing. Let us, let us purify ourselves. God purified your spirit when you were saved. But we, in this walk, in the natural, on this earth, it's our job to constantly say, God, I'm going to purify myself of everything that contaminates my body and my spirit. So you've got to understand, we are responsible to remove the toxins we have allowed. We're responsible to remove the toxins in our life that we have allowed. And so we're going to talk about that today, spirit detox. Three things we're going to remove Three things we're going to put into our life. Detox, detox. I remember sometimes we, we think detox is going to be pleasant. Sometimes it's painful. In January, uh, when I fast, I usually spend a couple of days where I will drink just water. And so I'll say, okay, God, whether it's three days, whatever it is, God, I'm going to take these three days. I'm not going to drink juice. I'm going to find out what day it is and how many know I need to set those days. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, okay, it's going to be these days. And then I tell Phyllis and I tell everybody else. But it's interesting when you just drink water. I don't know about you. My body begins to revolt. So, so why does it begin to, like I start to have shakes? Because I have put in toxins in my body. Sugar, sugar, sugar. <laughs> chocolate muffins, sugar. Caffeine, coffee. I mean, it's all legal drugs, right? I mean, it's all that. I mean, it's like, but, but the thing is, these are toxins that we contaminate. Someone once told me, Phyllis was reading an article, and they, they equated sugar with crack. That is just as bad, that, that in your body, the sugar just, there, there's things and endorphins. And, and so the interesting thing, when you fast just water only, all those toxins are removed from your body. Your body, have you ever been like, you're like shaking and twitching and sweating. I, I'm like, am I in menopause? I mean, like I'm just sweating. I'm like, it's crazy. Like my body is reacting. Am I freaking out? I can't sleep. I'm crabby. I'm grumpy. My wife always knows when it's just water. Why? Because the toxins, <laughs> she's like, you ain't no pasta today. You a heathen. <laughs> and we're going to get you saved. Why? Because the toxins are getting out. But the most amazing thing that happens is if you endure to get the toxins out, your body now is clean. And there comes a point, it's about like day four or five, that your body begins to feel better than it ever did. You, you're like, oh my goodness, I really didn't need that caffeine. I really didn't need the sugar. That was stuff to cope because I was unhealthy. And I wonder if some of us in our spiritual walk have forgotten about how healthy we were when we first came to Jesus. I mean, he set us free. He did something great on the inside. You stopped doing the things you used to do. And the toxic environments of the world began to creep back into your life. And you began to go back to some of the things that you used to not do and compromise in areas. And you forgot how pure, how powerful, how amazing your life was when your spiritual life was pure. And that's what we got to go. That, that's this whole reset. That's this whole thing of, hey, I'm going to take the next 21 days and I'm going to reset. I'm going to get these things out, maybe these toxins. The first one is doubt. I'm going to get doubt out of my life. And doubt is when we believe the things of the world more than we believe the things of God. 
And so we say, listen, I know, God, that you can do great things, but I'm not sure that you can do them in my life. Anybody ever been there? You can quote Isaiah 53, 5, and when you were first born again, it's by his stripes we are healed. God, I'm praying for your healing. I'm standing on your healing. And then you got around that friend. Anybody know that friend? Oh, well, God don't heal anymore. Yeah, the, the person that begins to put doubt, and not that they're bad or evil or malicious, but that toxic environment begins to say, well, maybe God's not a healer. If he is, maybe he likes them better than he likes me. And doubt begins to permeate in our hearts and in our lives. And what we will do if we're not careful is we'll begin to live toxic lives that spread toxic things. All the while being a believer, loving God. Oh, you, you know, God, I, I, I mean, have you ever had the, 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 the talks of the doubt? It's just, God, I know you, I think you can. I just, man, I'm just not sure anymore. For me, it plays out sometimes in my life. Some of the things I let come in is I watch a lot of news. Anybody watch a lot of news? Like, you got to be careful what you watch. Like, if you'll watch too much of it and allow it to feed you your worldview, which is what it wants to do, the doom and gloom. I mean, you're like, everybody's killing everybody. Like there's murder everywhere. There's horrible things happening everywhere. It's always the bad things that are reported. And what I see in my life is if I'm not feeding myself with the things of God and the word of God, then I will begin to allow that. God, I, can you save people? Like, my God, is there any? Have you ever watched the news and thought it may be a little hopeless? Like, I, God, I don't even know if you can do it. And, and what is that? That's just the environment of the world because God is not the center of the world. We know that greater is he that is in us than he that's in this world. I don't care about recession. My God don't have recessions. Why? Because I know if I will give God my first fruits, he takes care of the rest. Why? Because God's principles are greater and we cannot allow doubt of the world and the things of the world to cause us to shift our reality to the things of this world. God's reality is greater. So doubt. The second thing is this, negativity. It's the way I think. I see it played out in two ways in my life. It's the way I think. Have you ever heard these words, I can't, it's too hard, God, you'll do it for everybody else, but not for me. And you just, you get these words like, nope, can't, not now. No, it's, no, no, it's not even possible. Well, God is the God of the impossible. So why don't we let God see if it's possible? And why don't we just say, God, I'm going to stand on your word. I refuse to let negative thoughts come in my mind because when negative thoughts sit in my mind, how many know the next thing is I begin to speak them? You can't have one thought and speak something different. So when you allow the toxicity of, of negativity and just, have you ever been around someone, they're so negative, it won't work, you can't do this, you da, 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 da. I mean, after a while, you're just like, good Lord. Help me. Is there anything we can do? And I would say this. We as believers have got to just say, I refuse to believe the negative things and all the things the world wants me to believe. God can't. He won't. I'm not good enough. I've got to choose to believe God will and he wants to. And then the second thing is my words. Man, I just, I got to guard my words. And I don't know about you, but I sometimes can be a little bit negative. I got to make sure that God, I refuse to say Things that are negative. Have you ever said, it's hot? I mean, you're like, right now, it's hot. So, but thank God we got air conditioned. Yeah, and then, so this is kind of how it plays out too. So, man, I can't believe it's raining for three days. Well, we've been in drought for two weeks. We need rain. Well, so it's hot, you need rain. Which is it? You know, I, I have some of the biggest flare-ups of my negativity right there off of Highway 59 and Reading Road. <laughs> 
Like if you could lose your salvation, I would probably lose it right there every morning. <laughs> like it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm hollering at you. And if you got a sticker, I'm not hollering at you. I bless them, Lord. Help them. Help them. I know that's the church right there. They need, but there are other people that are crazy in that traffic. Man, I'm saying all kind of negative things. And so what I'm learning is this. God gives you the power to bless or curse your world. He didn't give me the, I mean, I'm blessing the city. But in your world, where you go, what you do, you have the power to bless it or curse it. Proverbs 18, 21 says that. And I love this translation. It says, the power of the tongue is life and death. Those who love to talk, come on, will eat what it produces. So the question is, are you talking life-giving things? Or are you talking negative things? Are you going in the direction that God wants? Or are you going in another direction? We have the power to allow that to sit in our life or not. And then the third toxin we've got to remove is sin. And uh, what is sin? Sin is anything that pollutes our spirit man. Now, I know sometimes you can talk about sin and people feel condemned, they can feel ashamed, they can feel like, oh my God, I'm not good enough. The greatest thing I could tell you is that nobody here is going to judge you. That's what God does, the Holy Spirit. How many know the Holy Spirit does a whole... Have you ever had your wife and you're trying to tell her, I need you to do this. You just got to get... How many know that don't work too well? <laughs> like there's repercussions. What I've just learned is God, if there's sin in people's lives, Holy Spirit, you, you deal with them. You talk to them. But we in the society have really said, man, I'm just condemned. I'm not good enough. No, we've got to understand what sin is. The original word sin and what the meaning is, it simply means this. Check this out. This is going to set some of you free. It means to miss the mark. I said, it's not like you're a terrible person. I mean, no, every person misses the mark. Some of it is more visible to everybody and some of it is private, but it's all sin. It's all missing the mark. So if we miss the mark, we have to ask the question, why? Why did I miss something? It's because you weren't aiming at it. And so if I miss a mark, my son has some bows and arrows, and we go out in the backyard and we shoot it. You know, if the target is here, and I'm shooting here, and I say, hey, kid, I don't know why I missed the mark. You know what he's going to say? Dad, you weren't aiming at the target. And so sin creeps into a believer's life, not because you're malicious, you're evil, you're terrible. Many times it's because we stopped aiming at the right things. And so there's this drift of the world. There's this pull of sin. And it's constantly pulling us away from God. And so our actions, like we're on fire. God, I'm chasing you. God, I'm pursuing you. And then you get around people and it's like, God, I love you. God, I worship you. God, I pray. Whoa, man, I'm not even going in the same direction. You still love God, but you allowed the world to get you off aim. And so we just say, God, I'm going to re-aim. God, I'm going to re-aim. And, and look at the word repentance. When you look at repentance, repentance means I turn away. I was going in this direction, but I turn away. Well, what's the turn away? I'm re-aiming at God. So you, you know, my kids, you guys got kids and they'll get in trouble and Addison, she'll, she'll have done something and she'll get caught and she'll say, I'm sorry. Are you sorry? I'm sorry. No, you're not sorry, Addison. You're sorry you got caught. I mean, how I many you know, because they're not really sorry. They're going to go back and do it again. When you're sorry and you really genuinely mean, I'm sorry, that means you're not going to do the things that you were doing. And so I think there are some Christians, you're not really sorry about the sin in your life. You're just sorry you got caught. 
And so there has to be a recognizing of, okay, well, we can't play games either. There just has to be, God, I really am sorry. I repent, and I'm going to re-aim. You may miss the mark, you re-aim. You may miss the mark, you re-aim. That's what I love about the church is that we're not looking for perfect people. No perfect people are in this place. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're not perfect. But I promise you this, we're all working hard to re-aim. And if that's your desire, you're in the right place. We're all moving in that direction. And so that's what we're looking at for our lives. I love Romans 6.13. It says this is, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, so isn't that interesting? Become, become. So you can become an instrument of evil to serve sin. It says, Give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. And that's what detox is. We're just, God, we're going to go all, all in for you. We're going to use this body, our instrument, for your glory. God, we're going to turn to what you want. We're going to make your focuses our focus. We're going to shift the things that are unhealthy out of our lives. And now, God, we're going to pursue you. We're going to put some nutrients inside of us. So detox is not just about getting rid of some things. I mean, when you get rid of some things, you've got to put some healthy things in. So the first one is this. You have got to read God's word. You've got to read God's word. You know, I... I, I just, you can't get away from the basics. Do you know that championship teams that win championships win because they're great at the basics? Like they, you, you just say, God, I got to get your word on the inside of me. God, I've got to feed myself what you think. I got to feed myself how, how you would say it. And so we understand this, that we, when we are believers, God changes us instantly, that we are made brand new. But how many know you still have some of the old thoughts? I mean, no, you still have some of the old patterns, and so God's word is what reshapes our reality to God's reality. We've been used to living life in the way the world lives it, and so when we're a believer, if you don't grab a hold of God's word, you will not shift your thoughts to think the way God thinks. So you're born again. You're going to heaven again. It's not a salvation issue. It's a victory issue. Will you live this life in victory? Well, we've got to get God's word. We've got to reprogram our minds with God's reality. We see this in Romans 12 too. And I love the New Living Translation. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. That's the salvation. God, he changes me. God, I thank you for that. But then he goes, look, changing the way you think. Changing the way you think. Some of us, it's a thinking problem. We've been thinking the same way we've been thinking when God saved us and we don't see any new fruit in our life. It's because we haven't reprogrammed ourselves to the way God thinks. It says, then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so here's my challenge to you. Try it for the next six days. Get the Bible app. Every day I read or listen to the, the, the one-year Bible. I love it. It's got New Testament, Old Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. And I encourage you to get it on your phone. If you can't read it every day, listen to it every day for the next six days. And say, listen, I maybe have or haven't listened or read God's word consistently in my life. But over the next week, I'm going to do it. Why? Because you're detoxing spiritually. Just six days. Six days, I'm going to take the challenge, and I'm asking you to do it, and let's see what God's going to do. Second thing is worship, worship. So here, we're reading God's word. To detox spiritually, we've got to get into God's presence. And so we understand that music breaks every barrier in our life. You can listen to music and 
Every person can grab a hold of what's taken. It breaks all the walls. You know, when I get up to speak, you're judging whether you like me, whether you want to listen to me, the way I'm saying it. There's all these things that you're judging about me. But music, when you hear it, it just does something. I mean, you're like, oh, man, I like it. And so what we've got to be careful about is what kind of music are we allowing to permeate our lives? And for the next six days, I'm asking you to listen to worship so that God's presence will saturate your heart and your mind. Ever since I was young, years and years ago, and I know some people tell me, Pastor, you're old-fashioned. You know, and, oh, this is, you're a little bit weird. But since I was about 15, 16 years old, I made a commitment that I wasn't going to listen to secular music in my life. Someone says, well, what's secular? That's anything that isn't God-focused. Now, I do listen to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You know, I, I listen to the Christmas carols, and so I'm not so extreme that I won't listen to some of those things. But for the most part, I'm not listening to the world's music because the world's music has its philosophies and its worldview that if I'm not careful, my guard is down because I like the beat, and I'm singing things that are contradictory to where God wants me to go. And if I'm not careful, the more I listen to that secular music, it re-aims my life. And I didn't mean to. Like, God, I love you. I worship you. But, but I'm not really listening to that. I'm listening to the things. So the philosophy of the world is getting in me. And then I'm, I, I, I always notice sometimes that secular, not always notice sometimes. <laughs> but I notice that the more secular music people have in their life, there's typical struggle that follows that. Because your guard's down. There's things that you're allowing. And so here's my, here's my, here's my challenge. Can we listen to worship for the next six days? On the way to work, plug in some more. Well, I don't have worship music. Well, you can get on Spotify, and you can do all kinds of worship music through Spotify. Listen to KSBJ. Get worship on the inside. Why? Because you're detoxing from the things that caused you to miss your mark. Worship, God, I want your presence. God, I want more of you. And I love the verse in Philippians 4, 8, 9 says, fix your thoughts on what is true. Well, that's worship. It's God, I'm redirecting my thoughts towards you and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then the God of peace will be with you. God, just let your worship saturate our lives. And then the last thing is this. It, it takes prayer. I mean, it just takes prayer. Like, there is no microwave Christianity. There is no fast food Christianity. And uh, prayer is something that has to be developed. I I'm always amazed that when you have great basketball players, they'll practice basketball. You don't have somebody just woke up. I mean, Michael Jordan didn't wake up as the greatest basketball player in the world. He wasn't a baby and born that way. He faced rejection. He began to practice, face more rejection, practice, 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 practice some more, practice some more. And guess what? He's one of the greatest basketball players to ever live. Well, it's the same thing with Christianity. So many times in Christianity, you say, well, man, their life is amazing. Like, they're prayer warriors. I, I, I find it's very interesting to me where people say, well, you must be an intercessor. Well, I don't, I don't really subscribe to that for me. For my spiritual giftings, which if you'll go to Next Steps, we teach you your spiritual gifts. Intercession is one for me. Like one is, like there's nothing. And it goes all the way. 
uh, off the charts. And so here for one, I got a one in intercession. But when we started the church, we built this church on prayer. We met three days a week in my living room while my kids were sleeping. There were four or five, six of us. Three days a week, we're praying, God, let your spirit fall in this place. God, realign our lives. God, you called us to this city. God, we're asking you to move in the miraculous. We're not good enough in and of ourselves, but we know you're super on our natural. We begin to pray. We begin to seek God. And to this day, three, two to three times a week, we're meeting for prayer outside of 21 days of prayer. And I've cultivated and tried to really build inside of me the desire and the heart and the passion to pray. But it's something that is developed. And, and someone said, well, pastor, you know, that's just your gift. No, no, it's developed. And the thing that we've got to understand in, in our lives is prayer is not you telling God about all the things that are bad. It's not praying when there's a test that's coming up and we forgot to study. It's not when we're in trouble. Prayer is a conversation. You know, how would a marriage do if, if the, the husband and wife, they don't communicate? Like the husband talks to the wife, the, the wife listens, the wife talks to the husband, the husband listens. That's what a marriage is. That's how you have healthy communication. And sometimes in prayer, you need to get this. It's not us just talking to God. If I had to say anything, the better thing would be for us to listen to what God says. One word from God will change your life. I don't know about you, but I'm coming to this realization. Everything I got on the inside of me, God already knows. And I'll confess and I'll tell him. But God, I just, I just need a breath of heaven. God, I, would you just speak to me? And if I'm just candid, I would think this. Some of you don't speak to God and let him speak to you because you don't think he's really going to speak. And that expectation is, oh, he talks to pastor, he talks to, listen, you got to get this. That's where this 21 days of prayer is birthed. It is practicing praying in our lives. Like, yeah, day one, you may not feel anything. You may not hear anything, but it's practicing, God, I'm going to make an appointment with you, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. It's like the President of the United States saying, I'll give you time. When do you want to meet? How many of you say, hey, listen, President, I'll be there. Like him or not, he's the President of the United States. I'm going to be there and I want to be in his presence and I want to learn what he's learned and talk to him. And this is the way God is. He's like, hey, I've got an appointment. I'm wide open. I'd love to share with you some of the things that I know. And sometimes we say 15 minutes, God, but you didn't, you didn't talk. Well, I believe this. He's building character. So he's got some revelation. He's got some things he wants to drop from heaven. One word. Think about if you really believe one word from God would change your life, how long would you sit there to hear? And sometimes I think he's just working on the inside. So some of us are too proud for him to speak. There's so much pride. Why? Because we've been doing life on our own. Really, when we have a prayerless life, it's a prideful life. Why? Because we're good on our own. God, I don't need you. I'm good. And we don't come back to God until our life is a mess. And now we're desperate. Now we need him. And so this is, God, could I inspire us to pray? Could I inspire us to worship you? This is the breakthrough for many of you. This is that next level where you've been, you've been dealing with problems. You've been, no, no, it's the prayer. It's the worship. It's the reading the word of God. And I want to challenge us to that. The next 21 days of prayer, listen, we printed up a prayer manual. Some of you say, I don't even know what to say. Well, that's okay. we got prayers in the back. We have the tabernacle model of prayer. We have the Lord's Prayer where there's an outline of how to pray and what to pray. There's places in the back for you to pray for your coworkers, your friends, the government. Place for you to pray for me. Come on, somebody. Would you pray?
pray for me that God would lead us. And you just say, God, I'm going to make an appointment. The next 21 days, I'm going to pray. So some of us, if you can meet at the Leadership Academy, meet us at the Leadership Academy, 6 to 7 a.m. God gets up early. And if you can't meet us there, that's fine. Just pray at your house for an hour, and let's see God shift some things in our life. So this is what I want you to do. Just close your eyes. Oh, and we're going to give you one of these when you walk out. Every person, when you walk out, the ushers and the hosts will give you one on your way out. But ask God, what are you speaking to me? So this morning, the goal is, God, would you speak to us? You said in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, my God-defined people, they respond by humbling themselves and praying and seeking your presence. God, you said that you would turn to them. That God, as we reject the things of the past, that God, we turn fully to you. You turn to us. And God, I'm asking you, speak to us. Heal our land. Heal this city. Heal our families. Heal our lives. We just worship. Just right now, just, God, what are you speaking? What do I need to get rid of in my life? What have I allowed intentionally and some of it unintentionally? Then I would just think about this. What is it that, God, I need to focus on? Maybe some of you, you read your Bible all the time, but worship has slipped. Maybe the communication has become more one-sided. I'm going to talk to God and tell Him everything, but there's not been this, hey, God, I, I really, I just I want to listen to what... See, I, I'm really being convicted about asking God what's on His heart. I mean, think about it. The God of the universe gives us an opportunity to spend time with Him. And how selfish have I been to tell Him, this is my heart, this is... And so for me, God, I repent for not asking you what's on your heart. We've said from day one, God, that whatever you want to do in a church, do it in this church. God, whatever you want to do in people, do it in our people. God, whatever you want to do in me, Father, would you do it in me? And I sense just this closeness, God, every person in this place, that when we walk out, we're going to be marked with this moment, touched by your presence, inspired to go deeper than we've ever gone before. And Lord, that these 21 days, we reset our lives, we reshift. Focus on what's important to you. We love you. We bless you. Now keep your eyes closed, your head bowed. I believe there's some of you here this morning, you need a fresh start. Maybe you know about God, but the truth is, if I were to ask you if you had a relationship with God, you'd say, Pastor, I, I don't have a relationship with God. I mean, I, I maybe know some scriptures or maybe know no scriptures, but the, I sense God moving in this place and I want a fresh start. I want to know God. I want Him to be my Lord and Savior. And in these next 21 days, I'm going to re-aim my life. And in this moment, I'm asking Him to begin the miracle in my heart. I think it's a divine setup for you to be here. It's a fresh start. It's a new beginning. God's moving in your life right now. That's you. I want to pray with you. Now, I can't pray for you, but I can pray with you. I can't believe for you, but I can believe with you. And the Bible is so clear that 
we believe on Jesus that we'll be saved. Believe in our hearts, Jesus is Lord, and confess with our mouth that he is Lord. And I think there are some of you this morning, this is your moment. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you this morning. We're going to say a prayer. Raise your hand high. I see heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Raise them high. Oh, man. If your hand is raised, look at me. This is your moment. Keep your hands up. Listen, this is your moment. Something supernatural is taking place. Some of you, listen, you're feeling God's presence. Listen, I can't pray the prayer for you. I can simply lead you in the prayer. You with me? That right now, God's moving in your life, in your heart. You put your heads down. Let's pray this. Dear Heavenly Father, right now, I confess my need for you. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, paying the price for my sin. Right now, by faith, I receive your grace. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. Thank you right now for new life. I worship you right now. Just tell him, say, I love you, Father. Just out of your own mouth, just tell him, I receive your power. I receive your grace. Lord, we thank you. Father, we worship you. We glorify you. Now, God, I ask you to seal the work that's been done. God, this moment on will never be the same. God, this moment on, we walk out of these doors inspired to be who you've called us to be. Lord, that we're going to move towards you. We're going to re-aim our lives towards you. God, I thank you that chains are broken. God, I thank you now, Father, for our lives as we go out, we be the salt and the light to the world around us. We worship you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, celebrate God this morning. Hey, welcome.